0: Hello, beautiful people. My guest today is Paul Yakubian, who first came on my radar when Neville Medora of episode 71 talked about the future, which was a really interesting episode. I recommend you guys check that out if you haven't. And he was talking about the ways in which writing was going to change and the way that AI was going to impact the future. And one of the companies that Neville talked about was copy AI. And that is Paul's company. So I figured what better way to continue that conversation with Paul and and to ask more about him and ask how how and why he created his company. We had a really enjoyable conversation that actually starts off about David Goggins, of all people. So it's been really interesting and was really interesting to see how Paul has use David Goggins as a lens through which to view the world. I really enjoyed this one. I hope you do as well. If you have any thoughts or feedback about the conversation, let me know on Twitter at HeyDannyMiranda, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it interesting people thought provoking conversations nutrition for your brain journey through the minds of the world's top performers and discover what it really takes to achieve your highest version this is the danny miranda podcast paul thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today i really appreciate you taking the time excited to be here danny okay so yeah let's do it and before we got started The first thing you mentioned is David Goggins. David Goggins. So why did you mention David Goggins just now to force me to hit the record button?
1: Basically, that's it. Yeah. Let me see if I can get some more light in here. Um, Yeah. So Goggins, I discovered through the Joe Rogan podcast, like everybody else on the planet, I was on a flight from San Francisco back home to Memphis and I was like, I had saved some of the podcasts. And so I like turned on the Goggins when And so, literally, like, I don't know how long he was on there, like two or three hours. And he was talking about his journey, his SEAL, Navy SEALs boot camp, like failing and uh, pushing his body to the limits. I literally got off the plane and I had never run more than two miles. I got off the plane, went straight to the gym, and ran over seven miles. <laughs> wow
0: (laughs) just because you had him in your ears it
1: was yeah because he he like that everything he says is resonating like in me at a core level a very core level which is you don't know how far you can push yourself because you've never done it and so even if you have one short burst of inspiration you can prove to yourself that you're capable of a lot more than you push yourself to and uh So it was like, dude, it was like two hours, right? So I got home off the plane at 3 p.m. Like I get home at five. And my wife's like, yo, where were you? I'm like, I just ran seven
0: miles
1: (laughs) at the gym. (laughs) I had like khakis on, dude, because I was on a work trip. Um so the let's tie this back. So when I think, you know, anytime you're in uncharted territory, you have to do things that you're not comfortable with, things that you're not good at. You have to learn a lot, and it's really uncomfortable. And I realized, um, you know, founding this company, starting my first company, you know, at the age of 33, it's totally different than the world I'm leaving, which is venture capital and startup investing. And when you look at startups, it they literally all, almost always fail. And you're like, well, what? why? How come it's this hard? how come it's like a 50% failure rate at each stage? And then at the end of the day, it's like 80, 90% failure rate. And then nobody really talks about it. And then I'm like, how come all the billionaires are like psychopaths? (laughs) Right. (laughs) How come Warren Buffett never sees his family? How come Elon Musk has like five or six kids, like three companies, like divorce and all that. Like there's no, there's no time for work life balance. And We're in a a country where like, it's, it's all about money. It's about capitalism. It's about being rich. It's about starting these big things, getting on TV and stuff. And I'm like, that is not, that's not going to end well for people. So what I needed to figure out was how do you make, how do you like do a company and enjoy it, have work-life balance, keep a normal schedule, um, treat everybody with respect and like not, and do things the right way and have success. And it's actually very hard to do all those things but i've i've wanted to like remain uncompromised and like that core focus and keeping those values so where i need goggins on a daily basis is i have literally a list of a hundred things i gotta do every day and my like investor mindset is like oh i might do three things that i want to do and just push the rest off because i can you know as an investor there is no like Forcing function on anything. And there's no feedback loop either. You can either decide to invest or not, but it's like five or 10 years before there's like an, a real outcome. So that's a really long lag cycle, right? So now in the startup, like as a startup founder, I've got legal, I've got accounting, I've got hiring, I've got product design. Like these are things I know, know very little about these areas. And I'm like, I got to get up to speed quickly. How do I do it? And I have to stay motivated. I'm like working from home. I don't know if you can see this, but like it's snowing outside. There's like eight inches of snow in Memphis. My my three-year-old and six-year-old are in the house. My wife is here like trying to manage all this stuff. Um, she thinks I'm just having fun doing podcasts.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Which is, is true. it is true i I can't i can't be like yeah i had this great podcast with danny i can't i can't tell her that she's gonna be pissed man so anyway oh yeah i was like work stuff so like work stuff to do and like yeah it sucks that's kind of (laughs) like that's the extent of my conversations um so anyway so so what what goggins nailed now like for me, I was a fat kid growing up until I was like 13. My brother lost weight over one summer and I lost weight with him. We just stopped eating so much food and magically the pounds started to fall off. So like I left fifth grade, like the fattest kid at the school and then showed up at sixth grade, like normal weight. It was crazy. It was mm-hmm. crazy, but it was like, that was the first moment I, had, I felt like I had control over my life. Just the willpower. I could say no, like to, to food, to opportunity, like, things that felt good, um, but never really got into exercise that much. Um, so now I'm at the point where it's like, dude, to, to actually succeed at the startup, which is the hardest thing on the planet, you know, I have people literally copying our entire site and launching it and, Jeez. and trying to compete All right, over and over and over again. If you don't think you're going to win, you don't, you shouldn't be as a founder. Mm. If you don't know you're going to win, you shouldn't be a founder. And the other thing I realize is you have to be at the top of your game because it it's constant. So if you're not like I'd say aggressive in the sense that it's like optimistic and motivated and moving, then there's no chance because everybody can move faster, you know. And um, to get that peak level of mental clarity around the mission and like execute on it is hard in a pandemic with living at home with your, with your wife and kids and putting in like that eight to five 30, eight to six kind of day, really tough.
0: You (laughs) brought up so much just now that I can't wait to dive into. I I, I want to set the scene for people who are unfamiliar with the company and unfamiliar with what you're doing because it's revolutionary in so many ways, to me at least. And right. I want you to start off by explaining to my grandmother what uh, GPT-3 is. Okay.
1: Yeah. So GPT-3 is a language prediction model. And the way it works is if you have like, let's say uh, 10 sentences that are like different kinds of sentences, um, if you just look at those and then somebody cuts that sentence off halfway and then they ask you how does this sentence end? What imagine the first thing that comes to your mind to finish that sentence, right? What comes out of your head is actually a function of all the sentences you've ever imported into your brain or thought about. Right? And then you're using all of like that word map that's kind of in your brain to generate what the most likely next set of words are. And we can do that, right? One, it's not going to be accurate. But two, it'll be grammatically correct. It'll be spelled correctly. And it will be on topic. Like it will make sense, at least to you. So if you think about this human brain, it's really just this neural network. that's so connecting all these words around and they kind of graph around topic areas and grammatic structures and all that. So as it turns out, a computer can do that. And the the mo- early models were built on um, these Markov chains. I don't know, it's just like a Markov came up with it and whatever. It's an it's an algorithm. And it's a the quality of the output is a function of the data set and the type of model that gets built. So if you have a tiny bit of data your language prediction tool is going to generate kind of nonsensical outcomes because each word will be kind of random. They're not really tied together. But as it turns out, if you make that data set very big, so if you have like 10% of the internet in your model and you build the model in the way that people just recently figured out how to do it, it can generate human sounding text that makes sense contextually and grammatically correct, and the spelling's good. And the the interesting thing is, any information that's in the entire data set becomes almost like a... I mean, it is a knowledge base, but it's instantly accessible. All right. Long story short, the internet can talk back to us.
0: It's crazy. All right. It's crazy to we, think about.
1: We gave it enough information. We're incentivized to upload content words, pictures, video, all that. And once you've compiled enough of this data, you can actually train an AI model to make sense of it. So Google, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, they all have their own internal teams, AI teams. These AI engineers make like, I don't know, 500K to 2 million a year, just sifting through all the data that their users generate, right? So... Who gets to own that data? Not the users. The company owns it, right? The company is going to profit off of all that. So in light of that, and you see like, all right, we got more data. We're uploading more data. These companies are getting bigger. They have unlimited cash in the bank. They have unlimited access to talent and human capital. They're going to, like one of them is going to win this AI race. And it's going to be game over because they'll be able to capture the most value out of these tools. So. A company called OpenAI formed in 2014, and their goal was to build a human brain, a thinking computer. And they had a number of backers, uh, well-known Silicon Valley backers. Elon Musk was a backer. And they started to generate these AI models. And in the process, they built their own AI team. And they formed it around this mission of democratizing access to these AI models. So they didn't want these other companies should just own them and then use them internally. They wanted to actually expose them as an API, like as like an open AI system that everyone on the planet could have access to.
0: Do you view it as a war? Sorry to cut you off. Do you view it as a war between open AI versus big tech companies?
1: I'm not. Yeah. I don't work for open AI, but I would, I think they do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's pretty clear. They do. Gotcha. No, and keep I, going. and I, I don't think that's, you know, companies talk about war all the time. I don't think that's the wrong way to look at it. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, so they launched, uh, the second iteration, it uh, called GPT two in 2019 and it was open access. So anyone can download the, the entire model and build an application on it. So then what happened was they, um, Some people built an application where you had a little text box, you type something in and auto completes it. So one of these sites was talktotransformer.com, which I used for about 40 hours, like just pinging it over and over again. Like most of it was nonsense. One in a hundred was insane. Like Mm. futuristic products I could never have thought of, like zero to one ideas, which are like Peter Thiel's thing, right? So the thing I've been looking for was... How do we enhance creativity as an investor I see the same startups getting built over and over and over again yet when you look on everybody's wall dude it's beige every wall on the planet is beige right yeah so this beige paint has infected the planet and we only now realize that once we get on zoom calls yeah right <laughs> it's really so, true, I
0: never noticed
1: dude it infected the planet and you didn't know so I got news for everybody this this is not the future. The future is not—it's not beige walls. Okay, so the the interesting thing is when when uh, you have an AI that's trained on the entire internet, what you can do with it becomes crazy. So one of the one of the prerequisites for creativity is what's called lateral thinking, which is bringing two different concepts together, and when you make the connection it kind of clicks in your head and you go, wow, that's, that's creative. Like I wouldn't have thought of that. So knowing that, um, I like tried to build some startup idea generators in Microsoft Excel, just like lists of random words. And then you put it together. And then like, you just use like the random function to pull different ones and then you put it all together. And, uh, I just go through there until something triggered a thought in my head, like, Oh, it could be a business. I can do business. I could be a business. Uh, it's very ugly, it's dirty, it's still fun to do. And so I did that, like I did that. And then I also went on a, a website called brandbucket.com, which has logos and domain names that are for sale. So if you go and browse them, they'll actually trigger a company idea, or at least they do for me. So I flipped through 80,000 of these
0: the That's past, nice. like in March, <laughs> yeah. Why well, so many? Dude, the
1: pandemic hit and I was like, Boom, let me let me come up with some ideas. So I I took 80,000 and that triggered about 150 different startup ideas and I just kind of like high-level them on paper. And uh and then I realized like it takes 15 minutes to come up with an idea from beginning to end, which isn't much time. So then I realized that this um I was like, "Man, you know, GPT-2, if that if there's a way to make that thing work for creative inspiration, then we're talking about a whole different ball game at that point. So just a few months later in July, they, uh, they launched GPT three, they announced it's a hundred times the size of the other model. And those numbers flip. So one in 10 results now is like nonsense and eight out of 10 are, are good. And then one or two out of 10 are really good. And uh, I knew it instantly that this would be commercially viable for some use cases. And so my, my venture partner and I, we like started uh, building out these MVPs, minimally viable products um, after we got access to GBT3. And the first thing, like you get it and you just, you're like generate startup ideas. And then it's like, do, 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 do. Oh, unlimited, unlimited. And I was like, all right, humans game change, you know? We're in the AI era now, and it's creative. Don't don't try to harness this creativity. Like Use it. Use it to be more creative and do interesting things. So um, we've launched a few different projects. Project three called taglines.ai was just a tagline generator. We started charging money for it, and people started paying. So we raised the price, and they kept paying. We raised the price again, and they kept paying. And then we had like 200 a month. In recurring revenue, which was fantastic. This is back in like August and in, in the beginning of September. And I was like, all right, this, this is a business. I was like marketing copy, short form content generation. We need to build a platform around this. I was like, everybody's going to want to build a platform around this. This is an arms race to build it and like launch it and get it distributed. So we, uh, we, uh my, my co-founder, Chris, finds the domain copy.ai it's it's for sale it's 5 grand or you can rent it to own it for 167 bucks a month and so i was like done we got our domain name which is the best on the planet and dude you, you can't beat a good domain name there's nothing you can do to beat a good name for a company this is number 1 and i tell all the founders that i know this and i've helped them avoid catastrophe by na- with name changes over and over again it's just people don't know your company right and so you have to be top of mind and they you have to make it memorable like as easy to understand as possible so that was huge for us we built this whole company in public on twitter it's starting back in like may just want building and launching building and launching every time we launch i'd get more followers uh um, I would report results every time I said, "Hey, we have a new paying subscriber." I'd get more followers, I'd get more engagement. People would ask how I did it. I tell them, and this just like cycle started repeating. So by the time we launched um, taglines, we were able to get 700 signups in the, the the first day, just with a tweet. Um, so that's how we got our first paying customers, which is always like the startup question: How do you get your first paying customers? Guess what, dude you do it one person at a time by building a following and Twitter is the best channel for that. If you're a startup founder. So then launch that by the time we got to copy.ai's launch in our, October 15th, we, we had, uh, I had about 2,200 followers and that tweet got like 1300 likes on it and got us, uh, like 10,000 site visits and over 2000 signups. And now we're in business, dude. So that's a way to launch, right? That That's all organic. So you didn't spam anyone with an email. You didn't pay a bunch of money for ads. If you're a founder with no money, which most founders have no money, that's that's really the best bet. It takes a few months uh, to get started on Twitter, but there's like a pretty clear roadmap on how to do that now. Um, so we did that. And then we had about, 300 signups a day, 10 days later, even though we weren't promoting it. So we knew there was word of mouth. And then we had paid conversion rates that we knew would support um, going full time on it. So we, uh, quit our jobs, (laughs) (laughs) about about two, two and a half to three weeks after we launched, which was Was crazy.
0: Was that an easy decision for you?
1: Yeah, it was for me and and Chris. Uh, Well, I'd always wanted to start a company. That's why I got into venture. It's why I became a CPA to start my career. It's why I worked in public accounting. It's why I went to a hedge fund and did software um, analysis on big tech companies and software companies. It's why I went to a family run startup to help grow that and like to see how to actually operate a business. So I've spent the first 12 years of my career building those foundations. Now, it's probably really stupid route because if you just work at a really successful startup, I feel like you'd learn the same stuff in like six months. <laughs> so well, I might, yeah. I might've wasted a decade of my life, but I feel like I have a, I have an advantage on a first time founder having done mm-hmm. all that. Um, Cause I, we, you know, at least we had thought about like the big picture, the top down orientation, like where the industry is going the trends and all that. And then being able to identify the opportunity when it shows up, that's all really hard stuff. It sounds easy in hindsight, but it's either can see, it, see that or you can't.
0: Yeah. You said that as a VC slash angel investor turned startup founder, you'd like to apologize to all the founders you gave advice to because most of it was terrible advice. that That's your words. And, yes. and I'm curious, what bad advice did you give?
1: Um, almost all of it was bad. Like it, it's a matter of a couple of things, right? So it, maybe the more important question right now is, what advice do you feel comfortable giving to a broad population of founders? Right? So my first advice would be to build in public on Twitter. Mm. So what Twitter has is people, and in your company. People is everything. So if you have a mission, which you should, or else you're not going to succeed, I hate to, hate to break it to people because <laughs> this stuff's too hard to not have a mission, right? It's just too impossible. And if you don't have a mission, you'll lose to somebody that does have a mission. And you can't fake a mission like Robin Hood does. It won't work. Because people will, you will be a, a phony and people will see it. And you'll end up getting thrown out of your own company, either pre IPO or post IPO, even if you're successful. So, uh, and then you have to get off Twitter for a few weeks, because things get heavy, right? So look, nobody wants to end up there. Right? Like, life is too short to not have at least one mission that you can do with your nine to five part of your day. Like, Everybody needs a mission. So what is it going to be? And and don't look to other people to have it for you. Like you need to have it. So that's why when you, the first model of this building in public persona is Elon Musk, literally most successful entrepreneur, right? He builds around mission. He publicizes it on Twitter. He launches his products on Twitter. He can build and launch any company he wants. He can raise unlimited money. He can raise he can get the best talent on the planet to work as hard as they've ever worked for him. If you don't see that and take away those lessons, you know your startup is probably not going to work. Like you have to look at the people that have succeeded and learn from them. And in this in this world, only about one percent of startups are succeeding. So if you're in a community of startup founders, they're probably all like none of them are going to help you just for that stats like reason um, you might have like emotional support, but if you're mission oriented, you don't need that. Like you need to succeed, right? That's the goal. So go succeed, go watch like an early Elon Musk video where he's getting a McLaren F1 delivered. Cause he sold his company and he's talking about X.com being the next big financial platform. Like, he says, you know, if I need money, I can just make a, a small series of phone calls and, I'll, you know, <laughs> dial it up. i like, what? Like, how many people know that that's possible? Not many. Not well, many. You, but guess you, what, Danny? Yeah. I can do that now. I can dial up money. And, I, and it's only because I'm building
0: in public. Gotcha. So you mentioned your mission just now. Yeah. What, what, what's the copy AI mission?
1: The mission is to help create a billion entrepreneurs in the next 10 years, which means you have to unlock creativity by like an or like a couple orders of magnitude. And it need, you need to help people like find their creative, that creativity and express it and make it easy for them to to generate income around it. So building in public is actually a core part of that mission because you're showing people how to do something which is have a mission um, recruit people who are interested in it, like either as a brand advocate, which we've got a lot of those, even though they're not customers, how to find customers, how to find resources. Like, and it's, again, it's all people. So either it could be an investor, it could be um, somebody you want to hire or like a consultant. And to to basically to take this AI, right. We can talk to the internet. Well, that's, going to have an impact on how people do things, right? We hear a lot about AI taking your job, automating your job. All right. Well, what are you going to do if it takes your job? What What do people talk about in the media?
0: Start a new business.
1: You have two options, right? Hope that there's a basic income, which is all the government, news media, tech on, tech magnates want to talk about or you're going to start a business. That's it. You have those two options. If, if you're scared about it, the only one you can control is starting a business. You can't control whether you get basic income, right? Exactly. So what like, and then you have young people, they're looking at this going, Hey, I don't know that I want to go through that career ladder thing. It didn't work out so well for my parents. It didn't work out. Like I'm seeing people on TV, you know, Like, you thought IBM was a safe, secure job. They lay off 30,000 people at a time. Like, what? You know, I see, I literally see endless ads for IBM's AI in every feed. My Twitter feed, my LinkedIn feed. I'm like, how much money are they spending on this ad? I am not, they don't even have a product I can buy. What is the purpose of this, you know? So I'm looking around and going, man, like a lot of these big companies, they they the company will be fine, but they're way overstaffed, like across lots of lots of uh, big chunks of their organization. So that creates um, that creates opportunities, but in the meantime, like they're making enough money where they're comfortable, and this this actually describes now lots and lots of smart people, and this is where Goggins comes back. Let's right go. if if you're if you're comfortable you know you're not gonna be able to you know yeah you won't be able to do shit because you know and i'm like he's right like i felt comfort like that and then mm-hmm. as an, an employee you know i'm i was well paid so i was fine i didn't have to do anything but then i have this nagging entrepreneurial spirit that's like you are if you don't if you don't find something to do you're gonna be just very unhappy Long term,
0: not gonna feed. Yeah. You're not feeding your soul, and
1: that, exactly that's dude. hard. Exactly. So the second I made the switch to entrepreneur, I was like, "Oh man,
0: this is amazing! Like this, this is, is what the I best. was meant to be doing."
1: Yeah, like this is the best feeling in the world. Now it's hard as hell to do it right, um and I haven't figured it out yet. And it's like this endless learning process. But going in wide eyes wide open, understanding like what my limitations are as a um, you know person, it's been helpful.
0: What do you think is more safe in 2021? And what do you think will be more safe in 2031? Owning uh, your own business or being an employee?
1: Oh, uh, owning your own business, man. In
0: 2021
1: 2031?
0: No yeah, there's no doubt. And why? Because a lot of people would disagree with you.
1: <sighs> well, they're idiots.
0: <laughs> I'm going to
1: click yeah. that. That's those, those people are idiots. <laughs> Look, dude, if you have the skills to run your own business and you're building those skills, you can you can take any job you want. So there, the downside is you take a job. If you're if you have a job, you can't run any business, right? So so I think about it like, what's lower risk? And for me, starting a company was actually lower risk than the job I had. Right. And. I will tell you this. So, you know, I can't wait till I'm 65 to retire. That's another thing. Like both my parents had two major health problems before 65. Right. I'm like, why? That is not something to look forward to. And that's Mm -hmm. like the dream of the employee is to retire. I'm like, how, how about we, we, uh, how about we have a better dream, you know? And so now I'm like, Oh man, I'm an entrepreneur and, we're going to be a remote company because we're in a pandemic. And when you hire in a pandemic, you know, and I'm not even in the same city as my co-founder, where are we going to, what are we going to do? And I'm like, Oh man, this Instagram lifestyle, you know, that people both hate and secretly desire so badly, you know, I was like, the problem with the Instagram lifestyle is that most people are stuck in jobs and they can't actually make that a reality which Mm -hmm. is crazy. So I'm like, what would I want to do? So I would love to like head down to Miami. I would love to head to Austin during the week. Right. And we can have like these, these employee like company get togethers in these locations. And that's a hell of a lot more interesting than like spending money on a big headquarters office, you know, downtown somewhere that's expensive. So like, what does the future of work look like? It's actually cooler you know, Hey, we're all going to go to the beach. Who's coming? Like, dude, that's what you were hoping work would be like. Right. (laughs) And, and you don't even see it in movies. You know, nobody even shows that in movies. We show like somebody working, you know, huge hours or whatever. It's like, no, man, like we're, we're in a different era now and it's going to, we're going to prioritize relationships again, coming out of the pandemic. People need that social interaction, but at the same time, you can actually do a lot, some things are a lot cooler than you thought you could. And um, all right. So
0: that's, that doesn't really, I don't know where we were. But <laughs> it's all good. You mentioned in there new hires. Um, uh-huh. And I saw your building in public and that includes hiring in public. So how do you right. think about hiring new people?
1: You know, the best, uh, the best entrepreneurs ever always said, hire good people when you find them, not when you need them. Mm. So I, I'm, that's a piece of what we're doing and, um, hiring in public, you know, that's one of the advantages you've got. So I don't, don't necessarily, first of all, when you're a company, nobody's heard of, it's hard to get anyone to fill out your job application. Right. So driving a funnel, a top of funnel with applicants is actually very difficult. So you're like, we're competing against all these amazing Silicon Valley startups, dude. Good luck. (laughs) Good luck. Good luck doing it. Like how, how am I going to go get talent out of those companies? Like I can't even like, there's no pitch for them, you know? So what you have to do is if you're very public about your mission and like your values and you're living that openly, then people will start following you, following along. So I've got like 13,100 people. I don't know all these people, but they're mostly startup founders, startup employees and marketers. You're
0: talking about followers, right? Followers. Yeah. 13,100 followers on Twitter.
1: All right. Yeah. And that's like up over 10,000 in The four months since I launched. So so people are at least interested in the journey. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I get a lot of interest, like inbound via DMs or like through our website, um, that the um that if this is resonating with you, like the good people will reach out. They will want to be a part of the mission. And this mission is is kind of crazy because. You're, we're kind of in uncharted territory. I think we're thinking that this, that these particular AI tools are going to expand and, and create never before imagined apps, and that the timeline for all this is like between now and the next eighteen months. So, how crazy is this going to get? Oh, it'll get crazy.
0: Yeah. Like I it'll think we're talking right now, but like, and and being serious, but like, what does that mean? What does the future look like? What is 2025 look like from an AI perspective
1: I I would hope that by 2025 the the AI I mean it's not you know the AI should help you prioritize the things you actually care about in your life and it should help you make those a reality whatever it is it could be personal it could be business it could be hobbies whatever. If you want to create something, the AI is going to make it very easy for you to create that thing. So in some cases it will be like an enabling tool. I don't know if you've used Descript, which is a podcast platform for editing. That's, that's magic, right? I don't know if they use AI, but it, it's, it's indistinguishable for magic, right? You, you can, you see the transcript, you change the words and it puts the words in your own voice back into the, to the podcast. So things like that, it you won't know whether it's AI or not. It won't matter. It's a technology piece, but you're going to see more more things like that. And then on the creative side, the AI can be creative for you, and you you do not need to have the toolkit that you used to to do certain things. So that's the crazy thing. So like in um, you watch the Matrix. Yes. All right. Yeah, she's she's like, hey, put the how to fly a helicopter cassette thing in and like download the program that helped me fly the helicopter, right? Mm. What happened? Well now the helicopter just fly itself, right? She didn't need to do that. (laughs) So the innovation is like the least path of resistance. It's actually easier to get electronics and computers to do things rather than implant them into your brain and stuff. So we're we're comfortable with screens, we're comfortable with like a laptop or a, a phone. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're looking at social media and what's happening in the podcast world, more of your life is being recorded and broadcast. So I, in terms of like where media is headed, I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, probably just put on like the Justin TV, like headset. And it's just filming my day. And then the content generation is just happening in real time in my world. And then. The computer will pick out the important things that it thinks can get engagement and just shoot that to the right channel. Right. So that's like, that's obvious that once you think about it, you're like, yeah, that would make sense. Like, how come I can't just, like, how come Danny can't just be Danny in his own world and try to have the most interesting life he can? And it automatically gets live streamed, chopped up, spit out, whatever. You know, and then like Smike and just be like, yo, Danny, want to talk? And then you're like, Yeah, you know, it's and then it's just like this seamless thing. So I think that's where one one piece of um the creator economy is headed because people are really very curious about people.
0: What year and, do you think that is, that prediction? If you had to I mean you kind of have some
1: people doing that
0: now. With um, a phone, kind of and and not exactly like the computer is generating it's, the content. Yeah. It's not we're, as we're that's, like one layer away from that.
1: Uh, in terms of like the streamer celebrity, like we're a little bit, we're a little bit of ways from that, but it's probably just a software issue. Maybe a hardware streaming issue. Like it can, it can be done again. Um, on the creative side, like the computer being creative for you, that's, that's more in the domain that we're building in. And that's in the next, in the next 18 months.
0: So in the next 18 months a computer will be able to look through twenty four hours of footage and then No, not not
1: an art that's not our platform, but but I think that you should expect that on a on a less than three year time scale
0: for sure. And what about Neuralink? How does that play a role, if at all, in what you're doing? I have no idea. (laughs) Does that scare you?
1: Um well, is any any technology can scare you, good or bad?
0: Right. Does GPT-3 scare you? No. No.
1: no. I mean, no, cuz here's how it works. Humans write stuff and put it online. Right? Yeah. So you have one one level of human writing. The second level is humans at OpenAI decided what text would be in the data set. Mm. Does that makes sense. So then, all right. So the AI itself is just the this model that takes all this text and puts weightings around each word.
0: That's it. It's like Google, basically.
1: So it just configured itself. All right? right. So it's a it's this self-configuring model. I hope that's how it works. I don't know how it works. <laughs> and uh, and then we as an application. We design to build a tool. We design a set of instructions that gives the model a set of examples that we want it to follow to generate this output. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the third level of human inputs. Then our user describes the input that they want this set of outputs for. So that's the fourth human interaction here. And then the model will generate the output, right? And then it streams into our app and we show it to the user and it's a, it's designed as like a brainstorming tool. So right. it, it can um, like blog ideas, uh, Facebook guide copy product descriptions. It can generate all that from a short description of the product or the service, because the model knows something about every product already because it's trained on the entire internet. And, um, and so then it's on, on the user to look through the results right. and pick out the ones they want because this, we're going to give them like a very, very creative set of results. that would be very different. So that's five levels of human interaction, right? To And then they can edit them obviously. So when it's like, Hey, are you scared of what the AI can do? Well, think about like what open AI worries about this a lot. Cause that's like their brand. So people are generating fake articles, political stuff, like, uh, violence, expletives, whatever, then that's kind of tarnishes their brand and all that, which is fine. Like we, we don't want to help people do any of that stuff. But at the end of the day, um, I'm not particularly concerned by that kind of stuff because of all of these levels of human involvement, I think, people are still the ultimate deciders about how they take this content. I actually think that the social media algorithms are a bigger problem than the content itself, because that's, that's deciding what content you see. And if you see this content over and over again, it can imprint Mm. in ways that that may not be desirable because it's driving these metrics up. So I have a bigger concern about that than I do generated text like it's easy it's easy for us and for open ai to screen that to filter it out and say okay like let's just do nice content right (laughs) the world needs more nice content right why are you you know generating all this other stuff now on the flip side if you look at the most popular movies they're violent as hell dude like you have insanely violent stuff we are not allowed to generate any like you couldn't even generate a script for that in our in this tool so Mm -hmm. I I think that the toxicity factors are overblown. I mean, we had a we have a pres we had a president, love him or hate him, that generated toxic content all day long. It was like an actual human, right? We didn't need a AI to do it. Right. So and some people liked the content because he was expressing a thought they had. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, if it's trained on the internet, the internet's a a bunch of stuff humans thought of
0: it's a reflection
1: it's reflection on us and it in most of the time and the way i look at it now i think this is actually pretty important is look at human uh expression as a like a bell curve okay Mm -hmm. so you've got like um common ways people think and talk is at the top of the curve in the middle This is like how like where we all mirror each other. This is like where modern society is. But then there's a bell on the side, and there are these tails. Mm -hmm. In these tails, you find people that are pushed out of the middle and they kind of become extremists. They have like viewpoints that are very different. But what you have to understand is that humans are designed onto that curve. So Mm -hmm. I have two brothers dude, we're very different parts, the three of us, very different parts of that curve. Mm. All right. So if one of my brothers does something, let's say he goes to jail or he's on TV for something that I don't, like I wouldn't have done. Right. People are like, oh, well, that's the whole family, you know, it's just (laughs) trash. And you're like, no, dude, like everybody's got a family member, right? So you see the skew, you see the distribution. Humans work the same way. So Danny, you will have, Ideas that come into your mind, right? That are bad. Like you don't want to express them. So it's like, yo, dude, that. I hope I don't say that for real, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is why drunk people are assholes because they right? say it right because their filters down. But that's coming. That's in your head. Right. And so let's go back to Goggins, right? Goggins is saying, I "Love it." The <laughs> the biggest trash talker on the planet is you. Yeah. On yourself.
0: And the reason I want to bring this up, the reason why we love Goggins so much is because we know that's us too. Yes. We know we <laughs> yeah. are capable of that if yeah. we went to that extreme. And that's why we relate to it.
1: Yeah, I don't care about Goggins. And he doesn't care if I care about him. Right. Right, Because it's about like, who is, who does Danny think he is? What does Danny think he's capable of? And once you start asking yourself like, like that introspection, it's really, it's good. I haven't done psychedelic drugs, but people tell me this is like what happens. It breaks down your ego and you can see like how you're acting, Mm -hmm. how, who you think you are versus who you portray in real life. Self-awareness. Self-awareness. Meditation
0: does the same thing.
1: Yeah, but it's the multiple personalities. It's like this very aggressive person, this really nice person, this creative person, like you have all these capabilities and you have to like work on identifying and suppressing the ones that are not helping you achieve your goals and mission. Right.
0: Yeah. And
1: like the one, the part of you that's lazy, like that everybody's got that lazy part of them. Right. And then you're like, you have to push them away. You got to push that lazy person out.
0: I think this is such an important point because we, constantly are trying to, we are someone in in some moment and some people view us as some type of person, but that is only their perspective in that moment. And another person might know you as a different type of person. Like your children might look at you a certain way, or your coworker might look at you a different way and might not even know that you express thoughts that way or express yourself that way. And what's really interesting is that we sometimes don't even know who we truly are. And if we, if we view ourselves in a certain way, we are then asking ourselves, are we this person or are we someone else? So have you found that to be the case also, or am I just going on a crazy rant?
1: No, I mean, you're, you're capable of, I think being whatever mix and match of personality traits you want to be.
0: And that's exciting, right?
1: It is exciting. Now the, the part of your mind that gets you all fragmented is like when you, when you're overly concerned about what other people think, because you're still guessing at the end of the day, like nobody thinks about you the way you think they do. There's just, they don't. Yes. You know? And you see, you hear people like, Oh, you're so funny or clever or whatever. Well, first of all, they don't say that, but you think you are right. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, Oh, you're so serious. I hear this a lot. I'm like, I'm serious. Like not in my head. They're like, well, you know, I'm like, whatever. I'm like, man, this is tough. This is tough. But I also feel like I give, I give people different personalities, like depending on what the situation is too. You know, I'm not the same person to everybody. Uh, when that can become a problem when you're building a company, Cause some people you're just naturally like open and friendly with, and then other people it's like, just not clicking. Right. And then, right. and then it's like, why don't I even like this person? And they, they probably don't like me either. Mm-hmm. You know? And I'm like, wow, I wonder how much this impacts company culture. Like when you, when people talk about it um, and we can't even talk about, like it's hard for people to even talk about company culture. Cause you have to try to describe it and it's not something
0: that's easy to describe. Um, because you're talking about relationships with so many different types of people and the yeah. culture is the combination of all those different relationships. <laughs> it's impossible to say company culture is X or Y it's, it's, a it's an ephemeral in, in a way and like changing constantly.
1: Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> I have like some high level, it's just intuition about how it works, which is do these, am I excited to work with these people? Right. Because I'm the founder. So if I'm, and I'm the CEO, so if I'm not, I'm probably just not going to do a good job.
0: Simple yes or no, zero or one. Is that how you? I don't know.
1: Now, I mean, certain roles, like I don't need that personal relationship. You know, Mm -hmm. I need, and actually probably most roles you don't so that especially in remote work companies they rely heavily on documentation and like writing skills that that cultural element may be that you build your culture around those attributes instead and it has nothing to do with whether you like the person or not they're just capable they do their job and they're still on the same mission but they just approach it differently so culture has a lot of these different facets that Got to deal with and and figure out.
0: Hmm.
1: It's a switching switching
0: yeah. gears here. You, I want to talk about you're starting a fit in public journey. Also, you you love building public so much, dude. That in public.
1: that was just a tweet, man. I don't know. <laughs> I tweeted out and I like regretted it, but <laughs> I, I got way too many comments instantly. What do you
0: regret about it?
1: Uh, I probably need like somebody to set this thing up. So. <laughs> Maybe we can talk through this. So the thing about Goggins, right? Goggins has this personal accountability mirror, right? He posts it in there and it's him and he's looking at it. Well, a lot of people don't have their, they have not hit the place that Goggins hit in his own journey. Yep. And so I don't really want to take all these people to rock bottom, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? listen boys we're gonna go to rock bottom here we're all going to rock bottom together like oh man you know and then like my startup founder brain's like oh dude rock bottom as a service right (laughs) like actually let me tweet this out because now because we got a tweet now Um, and i I tweet in public on podcasts too so here we go (laughs) So, what is the tweet? You're a
0: character, bro. You're an absolute character. Oh, We're seeing man. a live tweet from Paul right here. Yeah. Live tweet. Do I need He's to not... share my screen? <laughs> no, you don't have to. You can if you want to. It's disabled. Screen sharing is disabled. Oh, okay.
1: All right. So, this idea of hitting rock bottom i mean that's like fight that's like fight club wasn't it fight club was about hitting rock bottom and then discovering yourself Mm -hmm. very very uh boys club kind of thing to do
0: so when you when you formulate a tweet what's going on in your your head break it down for us
1: um nothing i try to clear my head out (laughs) and it's like uh I think of the entire world is is going to read this.
0: All that's right? how you you approach every tweet. Like yeah. this is going viral. This is going to be. No, seen no by it's not viral. It's or not. one billion people.
1: I just assume everybody's going to see it.
0: That's a that's a All good right? way to approach so, it. So so what you have
1: to do is you have to minimize the friction of understanding the tweet and wanting to read it. I don't. I couldn't tell you how it works. Like there's some algorithm that would predict how many people will react or how they will engage with a tweet. I don't have that built. I don't have an Yeah. I don't have an engine on that. I'm not sure I'd want to build that either. Gotcha. Uh, So the, but someone's
0: going to build it though, right?
1: Twitter has the data. Data yeah. miner would have the data too because they own the firehouse access rights to Twitter, which is which means anything you delete, they have an ar- archive. They have it instantaneously. So wow. Twitter sends one feed out to the user and one feed out to data miner that stores it in a database. Wow. Um, and then they sell it to, like the government. All right. So this uh, getting fit in public tweeted the it says anyone interested. And getting fit in public with a daily Twitter personal fitness accountability thread, right? You got a lot of stuff going on. So obviously, I had just seen somebody tweet about getting fit, right? Like that's that's the first trigger point is what are we talking about, right? It's getting fit. Then you're drawing on, you know, you'll get some reaction when it's on a theme people are thinking about. Right. Right. Today is February 18th. People probably set some New Year's resolutions to get fit, right? Mm-hmm. We are month and a half in to the year, over ten percent of the way through. Most people have not executed on their game plan, mm-hmm. right? And we know that your game plan—you probably didn't tell anybody. They're not holding you accountable. Nobody has is doing like uh, tra- personal training workouts, right? Like They're out of business at the moment. Everybody's on Peloton or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a platform we like called Twitter. And and Twitter, Twitter, what makes Twitter interesting is it's a community you build around yourself. That's all it is. So these are humans. You treat them as people.
0: Very important.
1: Very important to remember. If you would not tell someone... If you would not speak to someone with the words in your tweet, nobody will will read it or care about you at all. Agreed. All right, it's very simple. You give the advice out, and then you have all these companies like posting. look oh, at this blog post, and then ha- a billion hashtags. I'm like, nobody even talks like that, you know. <laughs> Chris Messina, who's in startup Twitter, invented the hashtag. He doesn't use them. There you go. Right, like nobody uses them. Marketing Twitter uses it, but that so, that works for their. So community.
0: take us to this this tweet. So this we're, tw- we're <laughs> tweeting about rock bottom. Let's go. You said you're going to do it live. You got to do it live now.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. Let's let's do it. <laughs> you, you, you have to enable screen sharing because I want you to see it. I need I want your help here. Okay.
0: Yeah. And I, I I'm like all participants. Mo-
1: Most of it, yeah, most of it is... We good? uh, Yeah, we're good. It's asking me which screen to share, and I have four different (laughs) browser windows with Twitter open. All right, so here we are.
0: So for those who are listening, you will have to check out YouTube to find the live screen share tweet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So the first thing that comes to my mind is have heard great things about hitting rock bottom. Okay. How it's, it's helped people overcome obstacles in their lives.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Okay.
1: So then the question is, well, what, what are we, what's this tweet about? So there are a couple of things that you can do with tweets. You can ask people, like, there are a, a number of ways uh, uh, that this could go. You could ask people to reply with how they hit rock bottom yep. and what it did for them in their life. It's not a bad idea. You could, <laughs> so you could do that. And then you could be like, yo, anything you'd recommend, you know, on top of that. <laughs> right. So that would be one. Another one would be like, Asking for resources like, hey, is there a good post on how to do this? You know, but that might be specific to however they hit rock bottom.
0: You could also share three times you hit rock bottom or five times you hit rock bottom in a thread, real <laughs> real really go crazy. Yes, in a so these are my rock bottom moments, but I don't know if you want to be that vulnerable <laughs> here today on Twitter. The more look,
1: it's not vulnerability, like I hear that a lot. When people post stuff, but it it people want to hear that. That's it's all. It's just care the about.
0: real. It's just the yeah. realness. So that actually
1: it builds you. It builds your brand. It builds your voice. It builds that. Authenticity. So why don't
0: why don't we just take this off and and write uh like about a story that you hit rock bottom in one tweet.
1: Uh, I haven't. That's the only problem. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but you were thirteen years old, and you you were forced to. Starve yourself, and dude, I did not starve myself. I, I, started, <laughs> I started. I started. I started. Uh, I cut out my
1: three p.m. McDonald's snack, dude, and started eating two thousand calories a day. All right, like okay. I, I finally felt what it was like to be hungry at like four thirty p.m. all right oh, like
0: <laughs> I thought so, there was <laughs> way more starving going on. No. Gotcha.
1: Not when you're really overweight like I was. Uh, so no, that that wasn't it. Um, so something like this, dude. I mean, the request for startup idea that that's usually stupid, right? Hmm. Um, now the problem with this is, I am a privileged white guy, so I don't. Hmm. I've never really had to overcome really any obstacles in my life.
0: That takes a level of humility and self-awareness to, to say.
1: I'm only a privileged white guy because my dad moved to the U S and invested in education for his kids. Like without that, you know, so I'm first generation American and trying to take advantage of the opportunities here, but dude, I'm so privileged. I got the freaking vaccine this week. That's how privileged I am.
0: Nothing wrong with that. I mean, I know it was available.
1: I was, yeah, I was, I was. You you shouldn't feel ashamed
0: for that. Also, I don't. I feel
1: privileged. (laughs) I feel like in a in a way, like I feel grateful of of my you know my life.
0: Right. That's great. That's incredible.
1: Now let me take this up a notch. There are a lot of rich white people of privilege there are a lot of privileged people that aren't rich there are a lot of privileged people that aren't white what upsets me is when privileged people don't take full advantage of their privilege to do awesome Mm. shit right
0: that that makes sense
1: it pisses me off because i'm like you have unlimited resources you can literally do anything yet you're okay just putting in the bare minimum I'm like, maybe that's the biggest obstacle in your life you face is comfort. And then now we get back to Goggins.
0: (laughs) It all circles back to Goggins always. So back to the tweet. Yeah. Have heard
1: great things about hitting rock bottom, how it's helped people overcome obstacles in their lives. I'm just a white guy of privilege. Looking. I, I don't know. Just looking for
0: tips. Tips on what?
1: On, I mean, it's like, it's like gaining, mental it's toughness. like, yeah, mental toughness. That's a great one.
0: Okay, you're gonna send tweet. I mean, I mean, it, it. I don't know. What do you think this is gonna do? This is building in public, right? Isn't that what it this is? True. This is,
1: yeah. This is definitely that.
0: <laughs> is that not you? Is that not what you would tweet normally if you weren't this screen
1: shared? This is hilarious. I mean, I I don't know. It's a, it is a it's going to come off the wrong way like a asshole but i mean this is true this is like now this part doesn't make sense anymore i've heard great things about Hang rock bottom so we can right because it's like (laughs) see these are really hard ones like yeah this is hard the thing that i don't the thing you got to be careful of right because this is yeah, every person seeing this. Every person seeing this. So, is can this be misinterpreted? Is a question I ask myself before I hit send on a tweet.
0: Yeah, I, that's I think a, the, that's a great piece of advice. It is
1: pure. Yes, across the board. Right, it's across the board.
0: Yeah. So, so what does that mean? Do you, do you delete it then? Do you put it in the drafts for another? I day? mean, well, I mean, the, the what's the call to action here? Every tweet of yours has a call to action. What's the point of the tweet? Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know.
1: Well, I don't know either. See, so you got it. You don't, you can't send without a call to action. There you go. So the thing about hitting rock bottom, this is very emotional for people, right? Mm -hmm. So when uh, I'll stop sharing real quick. So, when you hit rock bottom, like I was 13, right? I had a crush on a girl and she did not like me.
0: Hopefully she's not watching. No, she's not watching. I don't even know. She
1: doesn't even know that I had a crush on her and it, it doesn't matter. Right. Cause I don't have a crush on her anymore. Um, I, I just hitting rock. All right. In hindsight, this is funny. Hitting rock bottom was, was thinking, at least I'm not the fattest kid in my grade. <laughs> there was one kid that was fatter than me.
0: Oh my God.
1: That was probably rock bottom.
0: Thinking it, thinking that thought was rock bottom or, or the reflection of, of your entire <laughs> experience on earth. Like, did you believe that was rock bottom at 13? Or are you saying today, looking back, that was rock bottom?
1: In terms of like struggles, that was probably the biggest, you know, a, a struggle. But it was that it was the point where you, where you finally figure out that you can control your own life and body, right? That mm. adults don't have the answers for you. I had a teacher, we were doing like uh new year's resolutions or whatever I put like to lose weight. Well, like very similar, get <laughs> this fat kid. Right. And his, his new year's resolutions to lose weight. And then the, my teacher says, Oh, well, you know, it's like, you know, if you just like, what about ma- to maintain weight and then just like grow taller. <laughs> and I remember ha- like just instantly losing respect
0: for that for, person, for her, for the woman, for the yeah, teacher. teacher Why? Yeah. Why?
1: Cause I knew, I knew she meant well, but Mm -hmm. I was, I was disappointed that she would, well, it's like prioritizing feelings and stuff over what needs to be done.
0: Goes back to Goggins.
1: It was Goggins, right? She, she wanted me to live a life of comfort. Like, let me just stay fat while I get taller. I like the (laughs) the mental image of that, you know just just pulling me up. I was like, no, dude, I'll probably be eating more as I get bigger, and then I'm just like this huge, big dude, right? With and I can't, I can't have that, like you know. In my family, we've got just health conditions when we age. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, what? I I mean, how many? You know, the deadliest thing on the planet is heart disease, Right. right? And we don't treat it like. It's the deadliest thing, you know. We make light of it, um. So I don't know how many years of my life that saved me, like losing weight and whatnot. And um,
0: it's important. So it might have been. Yeah, a it's important.
1: That. Yeah, and now, but since we're on the subject, I mean, how many hours is this? A, is this a Rogan style podcast? We're gonna go for five hours.
0: I have no uh, idea. I need a pee so badly.
1: Okay. Well, too bad. So now. <laughs> Now the question I've got is who am I you know I can I comment on obesity culture or not Ooh.
0: You could you can comment on anything you want right I mean like are we in this place where we can't say what we are right like like you you can have thoughts on anything and do you feel as if in at the current point in time cancel culture has gotten so bad that you can't say what's on your mind, even if you've never experienced it. I think America has a, an obesity problem. I've never been obese in my life. Can I say that? I don't know. And frankly, I don't care. But that's the truth. America has an obesity problem. I mean, I think a lot comes down to your intent. What do you mean by your statement? Are you trying to put people down? Or are you just trying to state what is actually true or false?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's just right, true. But we also have this society, you know. So, um, and one of my principles on Twitter is to be wholesome and like positive mm. and funny and, uh, not try to trigger people because they get enough of that from everybody else.
0: I totally agree with that as well.
1: So, so the thing that, that is really important to me was the, this mental fog that will wash over you when you're overweight. And it's, it's like you, you start dealing with your emotions, you have stress eating, you binge eat you find comfort in food and it allows you to put off dealing with your reality and actually doing these uncomfortable things back to Goggins. So look, it, it's
0: a, Is this something you struggled with for a long time? Like, I still struggle with it. Who wouldn't want to gotcha. eat more dessert?
1: Gotcha. Like I could eat it all day long. Yeah. There, wow. there's like no mental cutoff for food. I could eat wow. anything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's incredible. No, yeah. no, no. I'm just like, I the way you framed it was that at 13 years old, you hit rock bottom and I had this problem and I overcame it is how I right. thought.
1: Right. And, and, I, and now I'm thinking about it with the Goggins goggles is at 13, I was just doing whatever anyone else, like whatever that imprint was from other people. Right. You know, if my, my parents were feeding me or we, my brothers were going to go eat something uh, or at school, I was going to get you know three slices of pizza for lunch. Like, that was it. You mm-hmm. know, I, I I had not had time to figure out who I was, and to figure out like how to actually take control over my own body. Like that was a the best thing that happened to me.
0: And you did and, eventually. Yeah,
1: and it was so willpower. power was basically how do, you do it. It's it's uh, the art of saying no to yourself over. And over and over
0: again. And it's a daily thing.
1: It's freaking daily. Yeah. Now that can also be applied to other people. Like how do you tell other people? No. So I build in public on Twitter. I get a million DMS. I get a million emails from people. They're almost always no. Now I said yes to you. I was going to say right? what what, I said what,
0: <laughs> what happened there. All
1: right, let's review this. Let me see here. <laughs>
0: Because you say no to everyone, but you said yes to, to this conversation. Uh,
1: what did you say? Hey, oh, you have my first of all. You got a ton of followers, right? <laughs> and you have a podcast. So what I'm going to do. Well, for everybody, I'm still going to look like, let me take a look at the feed here. Are you getting any engagement on your tweets? So if you get engagement on your tweets. It's likely that you're saying things that people care about. That pe- mm-hmm. that you have an audience. That you know how to communicate with a lot of people at scale. That you're able to hit on topics people care about, and that they're interested in. So you'll find marketers with a hundred thousand followers. They get one like on a tweet. They've bought the audience. It's not hard to see it. So I'm lo- yeah. I'm always looking for engagement, and it could be someone with a thousand followers, or it could be fifteen k. So then you said, hey, I had your, I had your uh, buddy Neville on the podcast that was awesome so like if he's doing your show i'm probably doing it um discuss your background why you created the company and how okay yeah i'm always open to that um so that your cold email work or the cold dm work um simple right yeah i mean i get some people like they just started a podcast and I'm like, how many? You know, can I ask how many viewers, and it's like 13. You know, it's like would you like to come on an hour long podcast? I'm like, I just don't have time. You know, I, I can't prioritize that. So,
0: right, I, I, I try
1: to, I try to do a lot of these podcasts. I try to like figure out how to communicate with people and talk about what we're doing, how we're trying, you know, how I'm thinking about entrepreneurship and startup culture, what I think about the obesity epidemic, which is crazy because now. I go, I went to target in Memphis. You walk in, all the mannequins are, are literally morbidly obese. And I'm like, I don't see how you come back from this. Mm. And in my city, we have like the highest rate of heart condition, like heart disease, heart attacks, death, awful nutrition, lack of exercise at every single level. And we have insane levels of depression that's linked to it. And no surprise we have we have uh, income problems because you can't motivate yourself when you're not eating the right food you're not getting enough sleep you know because now if you if you can't generate an income you have to work multiple low paying jobs you sacrifice sleep you sacrifice your family it's high stress there's no way out you're literally trapped
0: it's a never ending cycle it's a never
1: ending cycle you don't have time to prepare fog. food There's no nutrition, even in the school system. We have a hundred thousand kids in Memphis that eat three meals a day at school, all three Mm. meals. Cause they don't, they won't get food if they go home Wow! breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And when you look at the food quality, it's awful. They literally get free food from the government to feed these kids. It's all processed food. And it's like, it costs them five cents. And, and there's, they are, they are unwilling to really in- integrate like nutritious food into the, into the system. And I'm like, you have a hundred thousand kids. Now they're totally dependent on the government for nutrition, which is feeding their mind. In addition to instruction in school.
0: It's like, I tell people, if you want to fix your life, start with your body first, start with what's going on physically. Because 100%. once you get that feedback loop going, then it becomes what's next what can i do next can i start a business can i figure myself out spiritually so it's a never ending cycle once you start getting that fitness once you start getting that body in check is that also true from your perspective
1: yeah the good news is you just watch a 6 minute david goggin's video like make it through 2 minutes of it and then just you got the weights right next to you and you'll just start pumping it like it's endless cuz he'll start attacking your your own mind and like that all those walls and barriers you put up and and then you can start talking and thinking more clearly about your own, your own things you want to do in your life.
0: We but started yes. this podcast with Goggins. We That's ended right. it with Goggins. Oh, see, it is, it, he com- is he coming Is he in the middle? Is he no. here? Is he here? <laughs> when I book David Goggins for the show, uh, you dude. will be the first person to know about it. I Thanks, can guarantee man. you that. Bring me on. Paul, Bring me on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, where can people find more from you?
1: I'm on Twitter at, uh, at Paul Yakubian. Y-A-C-O-U-B-I-A-N. And um, yeah, I tweet him about building this company. I tweet questions I have. Um, My goal is to help people see this roadmap on how to get from where they are today. They may be employees. Helping them get their side projects started and launched. Build an audience, an organic audience that's not going to cost them a lot of money. Learn from other people that are going down the, the path, this entrepreneurship path they're going down and then help them turn that into real companies. Like I'm an investor. I want to invest in these companies that are going to be built in public and there aren't enough. There are literally not enough people. And um, we, like I said, you know, we've got all these beige walls. We're like ready to buy stuff, buy cool stuff and like put it in our house and like make our lives better. And we need somebody to make it.
0: Let's paint those walls, baby.
1: Yeah, thank let's you do for it. your
0: time. <laughs> All right, thanks, Fred. Thanks, Danny. That was my conversation with Paul Yakubian. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to give me feedback for this conversation, you can do so at Hey Danny Miranda. I'm looking forward to hearing from you, and wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening until the final seconds. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.